Hello and welcome back to Panthers for Life Weekly, Spotify's number one podcast for Middlebury College Athletics. It's been another awesome weekend for the Panthers, and we are pumped to bring you along for the ride. My name is Cole, and I'm joined by my friends, Ben, Sam, Dan here. Before we get started, Ben has a few words to share with you. Last week, I talked about the Panthers' high hopes for Fall Family Weekend, and boy, oh boy, did our teams deliver. Panther teams won nine out of 10 contests this past weekend at home. It was so fun to wander around the fields near the Pearson Family Athletic Complex and the gym, of course, watching these student athletes compete for their teammates, coaches, friends, family, and of course, the Big M. Roll pants. Middlebury Philadelphia kept it rolling on the home field this past weekend, outscoring their opponents by a combined 18 points en route to a 2-0 weekend. Reigning NESCAC Rookie of the Year, Amy Griffin, has been a standout for the Panthers this season. Griffin had 12 points over the last two games with a pair of three-goal efforts in each contest. So far this season, she leads the NESCAC with 31 points and leads NESCAC in goals with 12. She has recorded at least one point in six consecutive games. Sunday's win also marked the Panthers' 50th straight win on Cone Field. Talk about protecting home court. Home court? More like home fortress. The Panthers are unbeatable at Cone. Men's golf took the past week off from any competition. They'll be staying in Vermont again this Tuesday, going down to Manchester to play in the Equinox Sap Bucket Challenge at Equinox Country Club, playing just one day compared to the typical two-day structure. It's a beautiful area down there, especially at this time of year. Then on Saturday, they'll be going to Cape Cod to play in the NEIGA Championship at the Captain's Golf Course in Brewster. I hope they're rested up sufficiently because there's a lot on the plate for them this week. Good luck to them, and I hope they can bring home some hardware. On the women's side, the Panthers teed off at the NESCAC Championship Qualifier in Belchertown, Massachusetts, at the Cold Spring Country Club. They placed third out of the NESCAC teams, excluding Conn College, and finished only behind Williams and Amherst. They were led by first-year Morgan Lee, who had another great performance and shot 149 over the weekend. They look to ride some of this momentum into next weekend when they go to their last scheduled competition in the, in the New England Intercollegiate Invite. Middlebury football once again went 1-0 this week with a decisive home victory over Williams College. Such a great game. Youngman was packed to the gills for parents' weekend, and the Panthers put on a show. Always a pleasure to beat the Eves. That's right. The Panthers got revenge against the reigning NESCAC champs after Williams beat them 41-13 in Williamstown last year. With quarterback Ben Tauber out due to injury, senior Cole Kenning got the nod at QB. And boy, even with the new field general under center, this offense was humming. The Panthers' offensive onslaught started early with a 40-yard touchdown reception from senior wide receiver Greg Livingston. And from then on, the Panthers didn't look back, scoring touchdowns in all four quarters. Livingston would rack up a career-best 125 receiving yards on the day. On the defensive side of the ball, senior Finn Muldoon tallied an incredible 18 tackles, along with an interception to ice the game. This team is really in contention to win it all this year, but next week will be their biggest test yet. They face undefeated Trinity at home. Us here at PFL Weekly are expecting it to be the game of the season for the Panthers. Get hyped. Roll pants. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) This brings us to our weekly bit of trivia. The Panthers showed out this weekend against the Eves on the gridiron, winning 30-7. to My question to you all, Panthers for Life listeners, 
What is Middlebury's record against Williams in the past 10 matchups? Is it A, 5 and 5, B, 8 and 2, or C, a truly dominant 9 and 1? Before I reveal the real answer, let's whip around the PFL studio and hear from my co hosts. It's got to be 9 and 1, right? I mean, I know we lost last year, but I believe in my Panthers. I think they're 9 and 1. I think the Williams team has been really strong, all right, running NESCAC champs last year. And so I wouldn't be surprised if it was a uh, very even 5 and 5 over the past 10 matchups. I don't know what our record is against Williams this past decade, but what I do know is we were 1 and 0 against Williams this week. My answer 1 and 0. That wasn't even an option, Dan. Please reread the question. You got to pick from A, B, or C, I think. The answer for you all, the answer is B, 8 and 2. The Panthers haven't been too short of dominant against their rivals and defending NESCAC champs and Williams. Hopefully, they carry that record on in the coming seasons. Roll pants. Traveled down to the New England Women's Intercollegiate Tennis Tournament, or knew it for short, in Northampton, Massachusetts, on the 8th, with competition continuing into the 9th. The knew it format is super unique in that it features sub teams of two. Each round of the tournament has three games. Each player plays a singles match, and then they team up to play a doubles match. The winner of two out of three matches advances to the next round. Claudia Miller and Brindley Labarge claimed a consolation finals win, while Sahana Rahman and Lulu Wu fell in the semifinals. The huge news of the day, however, was Amanda Frank and Anna Lardner winning 12 out of 12 matches as they claimed the B-Draw title. The team next plays on the 15th at the Bowdoin Invitational to close out their fall season. Men's tennis did not compete again this weekend. However, they will compete next weekend as they play at the Wesleyan Invitational on the 15th down in Connecticut. Men's and women's cross country had the weekend off as they prepare to compete in the Con College Invitational next weekend. This is a big meet for the Panthers, essentially a preview of the NESCAC championship on October 29th. We're excited to see how these squads compete against top in-conference competition. One thing I'd like to add, Dan, is that we had a great interview with Victoria Fawcett last weekend. She gave us the scoop on how the team is preparing to open up NESCAC competition and how they're feeling going into next weekend. If you haven't already heard it, give it a listen. Volleyball had a great parents weekend, which started off strong Friday night against Conn College, winning in three straight sets. Pepin was packed as the students dressed up in a whiteout garb to support the Panthers. The team had a doubleheader on Saturday, starting against the Polar Bears of Bowdoin, which they lost to in four sets, breaking their 14-game home unbeaten streak. They, however, were fueled by this loss and clobbered St. Lawrence later that night, three sets to nothing. A notable tidbit from this past weekend is that Gabby O'Toole's streak of 20 assists continues to live on. I think we should all take a moment and knock on wood real quick to avoid the risk of jinxing that. This upcoming weekend, the Panthers will host Colby and Bates and Pepin, two exciting matchups that will bring a lot of energy from the home crowd. If we know one thing about Panther volleyball, it's that Friday night in Pepin is an electric atmosphere. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. We're 
traveling to Pepin Gymnasium for the stat of the week, where the Middlebury volleyball team opened their weekend slate of games with a commanding three sets to zero victory against the Con College Camels on Friday night. Standout sophomore Gabby O'Toole put on a clinic against the Camels, tallying 35 assists on the night, her career best in a game that has only lasted three sets. The following day against St. Lawrence, O'Toole again tallied 35 assists, giving her a total of 459 on the season, the highest in the NESCAC. The reigning rookie of the year is having another stellar season. That's 111 assists higher than, than the next best player in the CAC. Nothing short of excellence from O'Toole. It's really incredible to watch out there. Every ball that's on the court goes through her. Men's soccer had another very strong pair of games, playing at top form all weekend long. The team got off to a slow start on Saturday in the first half against Colby, but opened up the floodgates in the second half, scoring three goals, including an impeccable penalty kick from Jordan St. Louis in the 60th minute. On Sunday, the Panthers built off their strong Saturday performance, outlasting the defending Division III national champions, Connecticut College, one to nothing. The lone goal came from a friend of the program, Eugene Che, in the fourth minute. Wow, really early goal. Keeper Ryan Grady made four saves and recorded his 25th career shutout against Khan, moving him into second place all time for the Panthers. This upcoming week, the team will host Eastern Nazarene College on the 12th and then celebrate their senior day versus Trinity College on the 15th, also at home. I was at the game on Saturday, Ben, and I can tell you for one thing, this Panther soccer team has fire. They played hard and fast all game long and handled Colby even when things got chippy towards the end. It's exciting to see them perform at such a high level, and we're super excited to see them this postseason. <laughs> Super strong weekend of NESCAC competition for the women's soccer team, who beat Colby 2-1 on the 8th, and on the 9th beat Connecticut College 1-0. The team now holds a 4-3-0 record in conference, so that's four wins, three losses, and zero ties, and is 9-3-0 overall. Goalie Sydney Poppinga has played every minute of the last four games with some truly exemplary play allowing just one goal in 360 minutes of play. Next week, Middlebury plays its senior day game at home versus Trinity College on Saturday, the 15th. This week, we caught up with Emma Binks, who scored not one, but two game-winning goals this week. Incredible weekend for you out on the pitch. Two game-winning goals for you. Saturday's game-winning goal was your first of the season, coming off a late flurry of Panther offense. And then you followed it up with a sweet PK today. Our basic question is always, how did it feel? Um, yeah, it felt so good to score. Of course, in the moment, you're ecstatic, um, especially the first one with five minutes left. Um, we had been fighting really, really hard to get a chance. Um, and then after that, it's kind of just back to focus um, and making sure that we're staying checked in and not um, losing our heads, being elated from the hype of the goal. But 
yeah, both both just felt really good. And so going back to the Colby game um, on Saturday, so you guys had the early lead and then they were able to tie it up um, at the end of the second half. And so um, what was going through your mind at that point when they tied it up? And then what do you think of your team's response after that? Um, when they scored, definitely everyone's heads went down. I think we were pretty rattled because um, we felt like we were having a decent first half. Um, and our team chat before the half started was, you know, bringing the fire and the energy that we knew that they were going to bring. Um, so when they scored, it definitely sucked to put it in no better terms. But um, yeah, that last push of about like 10 minutes, I think everyone um, could feel this like change in the air, this kind of electricity. We started getting a bunch of chances and um, talking to everyone after. Everyone just knew that we were going to score. Um, everyone was super confident. And I think that that was really what propelled us to getting that cross and Fanny having that flick and then me being on the back post to tie up the loose end. What was the team's attitude heading into parents weekend uh, and how did it impact the way you guys performed? Um, I think um, we were really excited, obviously, especially with parents, family there um, to hopefully put on a show for everyone. Um, but, you know, we really, really needed to come out this weekend with six points. Um, and so I think there were definitely a little bit of nerves there, but um, we, fought through those. I think the energy, especially on Saturday in the locker room right before was just full of confidence, full of fire, full of spark. Um, everyone was super, super excited to be there and give 110%. Um, we have such a deep bench. And so everyone that subs in makes a huge change every single time. Um, and we just knew that if you were getting subbed in, you were giving 110%. And if you were getting subbed out, it was probably because your legs were dead from fighting as hard as you possibly could. Yeah, so just to switch topics a little bit, um, who is your favorite super senior on the team? And why is it my sister, Kate Wagner? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, obviously it's Wags. <laughs> and that stems from the fact that my overnight as a recruit was with Wags. Um, so we had that bond right off the bat. So, I mean, obviously really? it doesn't get much better than that. Okay. <laughs> Love the answer. <laughs> that was not a real Yeah, question. I definitely knew that wasn't a real question, but I thought it was for anyways. Good answer. It's a good answer. Yeah, I appreciate you being on it. But so in all <laughs> seriousness, what role do you think uh, leaders play, especially those older leaders play on the team? Um, everyone plays a huge role as leader on the team. I think we've been doing a really good job at dishing around the leadership as much as possible and giving everyone a chance to kind of um, say what they want to say and have that be heard and listened to um, by everyone. And I think um, it's been very balanced, um, very effective. And I think this weekend especially showed that since we came out with six points. All right. So my question for you is, you guys are 5-0 and at home after going this season. How are you guys preparing to maintain that win streak next week and against Trinity? Uh, hard work, staying focused, um, team cohesion. I think we all are so close um, off the pitch, but, you know, when we're practicing, we make sure to have that edge so that we feel like we're playing the best team um, when we're playing each other so that the weekend's um, 
not the best team that we're playing that week. Um, but yeah, I think as long as we just maintain drive focus, um, we're going to come back out next weekend and maintain that home record, which is really exciting. Yeah. And so you guys are the, the reigning NESCAC tournament champions and the season is coming to a close this year. And so what are your, some of your personal and team goals as you're sort of transitioning from the regular season into the um, Good question. Definitely. I mean, we want to win every game that we have left going into the tournament. Um, and obviously, once we make it into the tournament, we want to win. Um, we really want to have a two-peat NESCAC win. That's never been done before um, for our team. So we're wanting to set that set that precedent, hopefully, um, make a little history, and then, um, you know, get a bid for NCAAs and try and make it as far as we possibly can. We all want to be in North Carolina if it's there this year, but I'm not sure if it is. Um, I think everyone's very much on the same page for those goals. Um, and this weekend was really, really important in that bounce back. So yeah, I would say my personal and team goals are very much aligned. <laughs> so thank you again so much for being on the podcast. We really yeah, that's yeah. it. Thank you. Good luck next week. Okay, cool. <laughs>